Welcome to Full Potential, Thriving with Autism. I'm your host, Sarah Antonato. This podcast teaches parents of children with autism to support their kids in reaching their full potential so that they can thrive and not let stereotypes define them. By looking at a variety of topics, such as health, advocacy, and spirituality, my mission is to end suffering amongst these parents by giving them the tools to heal themselves, which in turn empowers them to be bold advocates for their children. By gaining the confidence needed to do so, these parents stop being the victims of a broken system and instead succeed in providing their unique children with exactly what they need to thrive and share their own gifts with the world. One by one, these families now change the world through autism instead of being victimized by it. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast episode, which I'm super excited about because it's addressing one of the most frequently asked questions I receive, both from clients who I work with and people I connect with on social media. And that is the question of, Sarah, how do I ground and center myself in the middle of a high stake situation, such as an important meeting with your child's school or maybe a doctor's appointment for your child that's bringing you a lot of stress. So I'm laughing behind the scenes as I do this because when I left teaching yoga full-time, I thought I would be leaving behind all the wisdom that yoga has brought me over the years. Not in my own personal practice, of course, but in my daily work. So you can imagine my surprise when I found myself talking about yogic principles on the regular which is exactly what we're going to talk about today to help you ground and center yourself when things get pretty intense. And if you're the parent of a child with autism or any type of special needs, they often can for so many reasons. Again, maybe you are constantly hammering out the right school program for your child and dealing with those adaptations every day. Maybe your child has some underlying health issues such as gut bacteria or parasites that you're addressing as well. I recently noticed a big full moon in the sky and almost every parent I worked with reported to me that their child wasn't sleeping and the whole house was tired. So intense things can happen whether we're planning for them or not. And we can't always adjourn ourselves from a big district meeting, for example, in order to sit on our meditation cushion for 15 minutes. And yet we need, or you need to master your thoughts in that moment and master your emotions in that moment. Because if you don't, they are going to master you. And the result of that is never pretty ever. So today is all about how you can ground and center yourself when you're in it. Because grounding and centering yourself when you're alone, on your yoga mat, on your meditation cushion, taking a walk in nature, writing in your journal is not that hard. But being able to do it when it counts, especially since we have the holidays coming up and we're going to have a lot of family time and a lot of belief systems being thrown right at you, this is where it really matters. So let's dive into this episode. We're going to be breaking it down really simply and easily so that you can do it without a visual prompt. And these are techniques you'll be able to do under the radar so that if you're sitting at a big table with some heavy hitters, they won't even know you're doing it. And yet you will feel the results of those grounding and centering exercises immediately. Let's get started. 
Now, before I explain how to do these techniques, which are going to help everyone, I'm going to explain why they work. And this is for all my overthinkers out there. So if you're an overthinker, if you overanalyze everything, don't skip this part. The reason I'm explaining why they work is because when I explain the techniques to you, they're going to sound so easy that most people would overlook them. It sounds too simple. And as humans, we overcomplicate everything. Instead of taking the simple, easy solution, we want the big, expensive one. We want to overcomplicate. But these simple tools are necessary when you have to get control of your emotions in the middle of something that you cannot excuse yourself from. So the techniques we're going to do today are going to do two key actions in our body. They're going to elicit two key responses that deliver relaxation response to your whole body, but especially to your central nervous system. So this is incredibly important, especially if you're a parent of a unique child and you've got some PTSD going on. Maybe every time you get a phone call from the school, your nervous system ramps up and you start to sweat and it makes you want to run and hide under the covers because you are literally feeling threatened even though the call might just be to tell you that your kid forgot their lunch. But this is how our bodies react, fight or flight. And we very often revert to these adrenal reactions that we've had since tribal times where our body sent hormone responses. If we were outside at the watering hole and suddenly a predator appeared and now your body in modern day 2021 actually can't tell the difference between predator at the watering hole, which is life-threatening and opening an email from the school nurse that feels threatening. So this is what I want you to know. Even if your life looks easy from the outside, it doesn't mean you're immune to these very strong and powerful nervous system reactions of fight, flight, or freeze. And when they happen, it can often prevent you from acting or reacting in an optimal way, especially if you're in the middle of a negotiation for your child and you're having to advocate strongly, or maybe if you're at the doctor's office and you're needing to stand up to a new doctor who you don't particularly like and let them know that you're the boss in that situation because nobody knows your child better than you. So the first response that is going to be elicited by the techniques we're doing today is relaxation response through the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is your 10th cranial nerve, which runs all the way from your brainstem down to your digestive tract. So when this nerve is stimulated, you're going to feel your entire body start to relax. And In the style of yoga that I have practiced now for almost 20 years, which is Ashtanga yoga, we intentionally stimulate this nerve during every single yoga practice. So I say this because if you're doing yoga and it feels good and you're enjoying it, but you're not seeing the results of it in your life, this is a concept that your teacher might be missing. And many teachers do because it's sort of intricate to describe, and we're just going to scratch the surface of it on today's podcast, but you don't have to do it perfectly in order for it to help you, but you do need to attempt to do it as best you can. So 
vagus nerve stimulation delivers that relaxation response to your whole being and it prevents those amygdala hijacking reptilian brain types of responses like fight, flight, or freeze from taking over. And this is really key because if you're at a key moment, a crucial moment in a meeting with your child's school, you can't afford to freeze during a negotiation. You can't afford to go into nervous system hijacking mode and feel like you don't know what to say or you start to cry because in that moment, you are your child's voice. So it's crucial that you remain as relaxed as possible. I'm not saying it's going to feel like chilling out at the beach at the Ritz-Carlton with a martini in your hand, but you will be able to remain composed and cool and calm, even if someone is trying to get a reaction out of you or manipulate you in certain ways. So that is the first response that these techniques today are going to deliver. Powerful, right? And so simple, you can do it in a room with people and they won't even know. The second response that's going to be elicited in your body when you do these techniques is a different level of communication between your brain stem and your body, your nervous system. So with one of the techniques we're going to do, it actually stimulates your medulla oblongata, which is located at the brainstem, at the back of your neck, where your atlas is, your brain and your body connection. And this is what deep breathing in a certain way with very specific intention and instruction is going to engage. So that as you breathe very specifically in this way, what's going to start to happen is that the messages your brain is transmitting into the rest of your body through your central nervous system will be occurring more efficiently. What your brain is trying to get your body to do will happen faster and more smoothly with less interruption. So that when you're in the heat of the moment and you have to stay in control of the situation, you'll be able to do so. Your brain won't be scattered. It won't be jumping around to 15 different places. It will be able to remain focused on the task at hand. So this is actually what the mind-body connection really is. And I'm sure you've heard that phrase thrown around in all kinds of internet marketing jargon and whatnot. It's almost cool now, but nobody really understands what it means, or they very rarely take the time to talk about what it means. The mind-body connection exists at this part of your brainstem. And when you clean it up through yogic techniques, such as specific breathing with proper pacing and depth and awareness, your mind and body communicate in a more optimal way. As a result, even basic processes that your body does every day without you having to think about it, like digesting your food, for example, are going to happen more efficiently and you're going to feel better. So when you combine this vagus nerve stimulation with this brainstem stimulation and you're getting the relaxation response through your nervous system and that more efficient transmission of messages 
through your mind-body connection, the real mind-body connection, not the airy-fairy pop spiritual one, your body essentially is able to de-escalate and remain calm and steady and centered. Your thought process won't get foggy. Your physical body won't feel the brunt of being in a stressful situation later. And many people hold stress in their joints, their muscles. They feel achy. They get headaches. They lose appetite. They overeat, etc. So by keeping your cool intentionally with these tools, you'll be able to leave high stakes situations, uncomfortable conversations, feeling fine. And you may not enjoy every single moment of that experience, but you won't be dealing with the ramifications of it for days. So no longer will you have to leave your child's school meeting and feel like you need to crawl into bed and stay there for 48 hours. Even if it's not fun, even if it doesn't have the result you want, you'll leave feeling confident in your ability to do your best. You'll leave feeling like you can move on with your day and go back to work or play with your kids and not feel like your mind is in a million places. So now that we've touched upon why these techniques work, we're going to touch upon how to do them. And I want to be abundantly clear here. You are getting the most basic description of how they work and how to do them on this audio. And I'm really glad that I can share this with you. However, these are techniques that you never stop practicing and you never stop learning. As I said, I've been doing this for 20 years and I still find ways that I can improve upon them to extract more from the experience, from the practice. So your work is not done here. Listen to this episode, listen to it again, do these techniques. And then if you find that you're still hitting stumbling blocks, know that there's nothing wrong with you. This stuff takes practice and send me an email, sarah at sarahintonato.com. And let's dive in together. So often people go as far as they can with the resource like a podcast or a YouTube video, which are great resources, great resources. And at the same time, it's not enough to get them where they need to go. Free support is very different than one-on-one personalized, customized care, even a single session sometimes. So if you've done all the free stuff and you find that you're hesitating before taking the time or energy to invest in yourself, even with a single session with me, it's time to ask yourself what you hope to gain by repeating that pattern. Why do you deserve to put so much time and energy and money into your kids and none into yourself? Especially when it's work that pays dividends for years going forward. Like I said, I've been doing spiritual practices for many years. I feel like even though I'd had eight years of practice under my belt before I became a parent, only during my son's autism journey did I really start to appreciate what my spiritual practices were able to do for me. So before we dive into these techniques in the most basic way, I'm going to ask you, have you fully considered where you will be one year from now if you continue to only give yourself access to the free resources, which I'm happy to provide, by the way, and never take the time or energy to invest in yourself? Many people say, oh, well, I'll be in the same place in a year. But the answer is no, you won't. Because 
One, you'll know you've wasted another year of your life spinning wheels and not really getting the results that you want. And two, stress compounds. If you're not truly managing the stress of having a unique child, there will be health ramifications to that. It'll disrupt your sleep patterns. It will disrupt your ability to focus and stay present and so many other things. So again, have you fully considered where you'll be one year from now if you don't give yourself the gift of support when you truly need it? That said, let's go into these exercises now. The first is going to help you ground and center literally because it stimulates your root chakra. And here's a little Sanskrit nerdiness for you. It's chakra, like chat, not chakra, like show. It's a different sound, chakra, root chakra. And basically you engage the muscles in your pelvic floor. Now, the pelvic floor is cool now. There's many books out there that are great and have been written about how to engage it. I think Gwyneth Paltrow in her Goop series a couple of years ago did a whole series on how the pelvic floor works and what it does, but it's pretty miraculous in terms of its ability not only to strengthen and heal your physical organs in your pelvic bowl, but also how it calms your nervous system by stimulating that vagus nerve. It helps you relax. So here is your basic way of engaging it. And if you're not driving, I'm going to encourage you to close your eyes. Of course, if you're driving, don't do that. And there are actually three components to engaging your pelvic floor properly. The one you hear about all the time in every magazine is the Kegel muscle for women. And I want you to know that these techniques we're talking about today are applicable for men and women. So we're not just doing the women's side of things. But engaging your pelvic floor is so much deeper than just engaging your Kegel muscles like you probably hear about at the gynecologist. Instead, it has three components, and the first one occurs in the rear of your pelvic floor, around your anal muscles, basically. So imagine, and I'm going to get a little graphic with you, that you drank too much coffee this morning, and you're driving home from the kids' school after dropping them off, and you have to go to the bathroom suddenly, really urgently. You might clench the muscles around your anus. That is the most basic description I can give you without showing you diagrams and going to an in-depth conversation that will last hours of how to engage the first component. Its Sanskrit name is called Ashwini Mudra. And you might find when you try to do this, you clench your whole bum. That's not necessary. In time, as you engage it, you won't need to do that, but it takes some practice. So don't worry that you're doing it wrong if you find that It's an automatic reaction. The easiest time also to engage this is after you take a nice long exhalation. When you think your lungs are empty, give a little huff. And when you huff, you might feel those muscles start to connect automatically. That's great. When you inhale, don't be surprised if you lose the intensity of it. Again, that's okay. Always reignite it after you exhale completely. That's component one. Component two is called Vajroli Mudra, and that occurs at the front of your pelvic bowl, your pelvic floor rather, 
right behind the pubic bone. So if you have your eyes closed, I want you to imagine that you're drawing your pubic bone back toward the wall behind you. So now we have two components. We're engaging the pelvic floor at the back, at the front. Let's try it together. Take a deep inhale. Take a deep exhale. When you think your lungs are empty, give you that little huff. Draw the anus forward. Draw the pubic bone back. Try to maintain that as you inhale again. Exhale. Breathe out. So you can relax. Aside from maybe a few wonky faces that you're making as you're trying to figure this out, this is a technique you can do sitting at a table and no one in the room with you will know that you're doing it. But now we have the third component to the pelvic floor. And again, I could teach a whole semester on the pelvic floor. So what you're getting is the most basic description. If you want more, send me a message. Sarah at sarahintonato.com. So you have the anal muscles contracting and pulling in forward. You have the pubic bone contracting and pulling back. Now, I want you to imagine the sides of your pelvis drawing inward. So for women, the sides of your vulva moving inward. For men, an easier visual is imagine your testicles pulling upward. Yes, we're talking about private parts. So if you're listening to this and your husband's around or your kids are around and you're giggling, just let it. It's fine. We all revert to that second grader in ourselves sometimes. But do it nonetheless because this is going to help you. So now, eyes closed. Take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. Give a little huff. Draw the anus forward. Pubic bone back. Sides of the pelvis inward. Maybe a little upward. Now maintain that as you inhale again and exhale. I recently was out to dinner with a friend and was explaining this to her after she asked me, you know, I heard my yoga teacher talking about the pelvic floor, but she didn't really give much description. What's the deal there? And I gave her a full description of the pelvic floor on a Saturday night at dinner and her jaw hit the table and she said, why has no yoga teacher really taught me this in depth. And I said, well, first of all, yoga teacher training in the United States is like the McDonald's of food. It's low budget. It's a, almost like a MLM now. And it's all about making money, making money. And sometimes you find the needle in a haystack that is an amazing training. But most of the time, unfortunately, it's just a money-making scheme. And the quality is very poor. And the people who leave the training don't actually have a lot of the basic tools. This is one of the first tools I teach people when I work with them in a yoga capacity. But you don't have to be an avid yoga practitioner to receive from this, to let this help you in your life. So when you are in a high stakes conversation and you're feeling like your mind is starting to spin, you're losing your center, you're starting to get nervous, you're what ifing everything, I want you to take a breath. Reconnect to your pelvic floor with the three components, anal muscles, pubic bone, sides, and up. And I want you to breathe. On an energetic level, this will actually distribute the energy that is in your body, which is now churning up in your head. You're overthinking everything, worrying, fearful, etc. 
and redistribute it back through your nadis, your nerve endings, through your whole body. It's going to help you feel calmer and steadier. It's going to help you ground your feet and legs through the floor. Literally, your foundation will get stronger and you will feel more centered. Now, this pelvic floor technique is what stimulates the vagus nerve. So you can be doing all the yoga you want if you're not engaging your pelvic floor during your practice, you're probably not getting the relaxation response that you need, which is why you can go to yoga, have it be fun and feel good and enjoy the teacher's nice playlist, but not actually feel like you're calmer in your life unless you're using this. So you're welcome. I hope I just changed your whole practice. And if you're not yet practicing yoga and you want to, again, send me a message, but we're starting with these basic things today. And we're doing this because, again, you don't have to be wearing your Lululemon pants and be on a mat to receive from this technique. Use it at a stoplight when you're feeling nervous driving to your child's meeting. Use it when you get a really nasty email from your child's aide in school. Reconnect to yourself. The second technique we're going to do is a breathing technique. And It's a deep equanimous breathing. Some people call it the ujjayi breath. That's actually not correct because in that ujjayi breath, you would actually be holding your breath and retaining. We're not going to do that. We're just going to breathe in a slow, systematic way that stimulates the brainstem. Now, the reason I talked about the pelvic floor first is because the pelvic floor is key to having proper breathing especially during a yoga practice, but really anytime. So you might find that if you put your hand beneath your navel and you were not aware of your pelvic floor at all and just started taking some deep breaths, even deep conscious breaths, your belly would expand and contract over and over again. However, when you engage your pelvic floor, your hand beneath the navel should not move hardly at all. Your lungs should expand and contract. Your diaphragm should be working, but beneath the navel should be very still and strong because you're grounded, you're connected. So keep that in mind as we breathe now. I want you to be prepared to count to four. That's all you need to do if you want to do this breathing technique. And the good news is that most of you can do that. So you're just going to start very slowly and gently by taking a deep inhale Taking a deep exhale, breathing out, give a little huff, and then engage your pelvic floor as we've talked about, all the components. Maintain that as you inhale again through the nose. Exhale again through the nose. Mouth is closed, but not tense. Inhale slowly, deeply. Exhale slowly, deeply. Now inhale, I want you to engage your esophagus very slightly as you breathe, exhale. So it sounds like a vacuum cleaner or an ocean or Darth Vader is in the room with you. And you can engage that part of your esophagus the same way you would if you were to gargle, mouthwash. It's that same part of your throat that you're engaging. So when you inhale, you're contracting those muscles in the esophagus very gently and notice you'll feel it almost like a vibration right in that area beneath your jaw towards the back of your throat. That's what stimulates the brainstem. 
when you're breathing. So you can breathe through the nose, certainly, and not engage your esophagus at all, but that's the special part that allows your mind-body connection to really wake up. So let's try it together. Take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. Engage your pelvic floor. Front, back, sides. Maintain that as you inhale again. Exhale. Keep exhaling through the nose. Keep engaging the esophagus. Now, I want you to take five deep breaths with the pelvic floor, with the esophagus engaged, with your jaw relaxed. Here we go. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. One more and finish your fifth breath. Don't rush it. Now, where that four comes in is now that you have the rhythm, now that you have the components of the breath, you want to inhale for four counts and then exhale for four counts. So here's how one breath sounds like when I'm breathing to my fullest capacity. Inhale. Exhale. It's slow. It's not fast. And certainly if I were in a meeting room with people, I would breathe slowly, maybe not so forcefully like Darth Vader, but I would have that gentle engagement in my throat. I would engage my pelvic floor and I would say to myself, Sarah, you're going to take three or four or five deep breaths before you respond to that question. You're going to take those breaths now while that other person is talking and what they're saying is really pissing you off. You're going to take three deep breaths before you hit send and respond to that email. You're going to ground yourself through your pelvic floor. You're going to breathe and reconnect to you and calm your nervous system down. So this is why we're doing this today. Real life happens all the time. I get on my yoga mat every day and I can't always run to my mat when life gets hard. However, I can take the tools I've learned and integrate them. And so can you. So engaging your pelvic floor, stimulating the vagus nerve, breathing properly, connecting your mind and body to function well as a unit. And you've got this. This is why we're doing this. Because everyday life is always happening. Nobody plans for accidents. Nobody plans for high-stakes situations to happen very often. And yet we need these tools to be with us all the time so that we can function at our highest capacity. So this is it. This is the juice. I want you to take it and use it. I want you to report back to me. Comment on this podcast post on Instagram and tell me how it's working for you. Ask questions there. Share your challenges and insights with others. Let me talk to you there and help you. Send me an email and keep on keeping on because you can do this. And 
if you love learning about this and you have more excitement for bringing these tools into your life, get ready because in January, 2022, I'm launching my very first group program for autism parents and any special needs parent as a whole. And we're going to be diving into topics around health, stress management, certainly included in that advocacy, confidence, communication, boundaries, and also spirituality. And stimulating your pelvic floor can really fall into all three of those categories. But these are the tools that you need in order to have the endurance required to walk the path as an autism parent for the long haul, if it comes to that. So click the link in the show notes if you want to be on the wait list for this amazing program. It's going to provide so much value and serve all of you in ways that you need in everyday life. And it's ongoing, so it will last forever. And all the details will be coming out soon. So click the link in the show notes, join on the wait list, and I can't wait to deliver this to all of you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Namaste. If today's show resonated with you, please leave a review through your favorite podcast provider as it's an important step in allowing new listeners to find us when they need to hear this message in their own lives.